welcome to episode 155 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe co-created by Bruce Tim. I am Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And uh, we're back with more Static Shock this week, but even more important than that, we have a guest this week, uh, returning guest CJ James. Welcome back, CJ. Hello. Woo, proud <laughs> You came on for the... Mad love. Thank you. I was just... oh, that was so long ago. <laughs> it was so long ago. Wow. So much has happened I in thought... the DC world, in the actual in the world. world. Because <laughs> I, I was trying to remember in that exact moment, and I couldn't because oh, I forget. I, I, knew. I forget all these things as soon as I'm done with them. They it's just... a highlight on our in, uh, Instagram page. Yeah. Oh. oh. <laughs> uh, well, you also have your own podcast, Bra Meets Worlds. Mm-hmm. Where your season? We're on season four. We're okay. like mid season four right now. Okay, you're going to have to tell Cameron what's happening in the show, because I don't remember as well as he does. All right, so currently at this point in time, uh, we just did Chick Like Me, which is the episode where Sean and Corey... Switch places? Uh, or switch names? No, wear drag. Oh, oh yeah. Um, oh, that's yes. okay, To that's learn right. what it's like to be a female. And mm-hmm. if you think that the 90s handles... Uh, <laughs> women's issues let alone through the perspective of white men well well then i have a podcast for you because I, I, I remember sean plays pool and there's the guy that he's on the date with that's trying to like make his moves exactly oh, yeah. i think we recall this episode it's now. Very, it's like, the, yeah, like elbows in the stomach it yeah. starts off with uh accusation of sexual um harassment or at least some kind of violation um this girl is just like yeah so i i had to fight them off um but you know dating just those casual (laughs) conversations you had in the 90s exactly uh how how do they look in drag um so uh, we had a friend of the pod i think for you sav rogers on there earlier and we had a whole discussion about passing privilege that we didn't even think about. And oh. let's just say that Sean's character has passing privilege, apparently makes a pretty woman mm-hmm. and Corey is used for comedy. So, Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> that's how you do it. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at pictures of Eric here in drag. Oh, that's a whole other season. <laughs> so oh, that's a different season. Yeah, okay. Again, we come oh, back that's, to that's it. when they're in college, right? Yeah. In college. Yeah. yeah it's... And they use it as a defense mechanism. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> boy meets world hitting all the right <laughs> chords. <laughs> but yeah, well, I have to listen to that episode. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we are uh, here with the season three finale of Static Shock, Blast from the Past. Uh, an entertaining episode to, to end things so here. It's so good. I have a lot to say. <laughs> yeah. I'm very excited to hear what you have to say. Uh, but first, let's get into a little bit of news. Uh, and we'll start off with the, the, the sadder bit of news here, which, of course, was the death of Joel Schumacher, who most people know from directing uh, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. Yes, uh, my two star- favorite Batman. Yes, I know. Uh, <laughs> starting, starting point there, of the two, what is the preference amongst this crowd? Forever uh, or Batman and Robin? Uh, forever. Okay. Yeah, CJ? I would say forever. Okay, yeah, same. Oh, okay. I was expecting a debate here. Yeah, all right, no. good. We're, no, we're no, forever is yeah. my favorite. I mean, you can't beat Sokfu. Ah, that's true. Sokfu is pretty fantastic. Chris o- Chris O'Donnell? Chris O'Donnell. Okay. Uh, I wanted to make sure I didn't get him confused with... Who's the other Chris who has the great accent? Me? I don't know. No. <laughs> he voiced uh, this, uh, the worst reference for him. He voiced <laughs> the animated character in the new Mary Poppins. And you were like, oh, oh it's Chris O'Dowd. Chris O'Dowd. That's what I'm thinking of, Chris yes. Chris O'Dowd. Yeah, he was on the, uh, the IT crowd. That... That's, yeah, yeah, that's... Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was, in, uh, he was in Bridesmaids. I actually like Chris mm-hmm. O'Dowd. I like him a lot, too. He's yeah, kind of like my nerdy crush. I'm not gonna oh, lie. yeah. No, t- <laughs> uh, I saw him at Home Depot once. Very tall. Ooh. Yeah. Good to know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I would totally watch Chris O'Dowd do Sock Fu as well. I would as oh, well. Wow. Yeah. Well, because he would just, like, 
continuously hit himself in the face. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, I, I think any gay man can attest, any gay nerd can attest that <laughs> Chris O'Donnell doing sock foo in that movie, uh, formative moment in her so sexual experience. it wasn't for me. No? Um, but I cannot pretend like he wasn't like the sex symbol that he was in oh, the 90s. Yeah. Um, I just have such a problem with Joel Schumacher's Batman. So, <laughs> See, I, I don't have that big of an issue with it here's the thing i've learned the value of camp yeah and, and well, like fair. since like in the last few years and i will say he is camp for the masses and also um someone pointed out which i didn't consider but he also was able to shoehorn in a lot of gay references mm -hmm. and just gate them into the batman universe uh which in the 90s, you didn't really have a lot of gay representation. No. So I guess he did do something for the movement, and I can forgive him for that. But I'm with the anti-bat nipples camp. That's just me. Fair. <laughs> I, what I think is so funny is, like, people always talk about the bat nipples after Batman and Robin came out. But, like, they were in Batman Forever, but no one really talked about it as much. It's kind of like... Because there's so many other things to look at. Well, we do the ass <laughs> shot. We like, just, That's like, true. You get badass. And, uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm still failing to see what the issue here in all of this. No, I, I love Batman Forever. It's it's super campy. It's super cheesy. It's basically just Tommy Lee Jones and Jim Carrey competing to see who can do the best Jack Nicholson impression. Yeah. Uh, but I'm here for it. I think it's super fun. I think I've said this. We I have a, another podcast called Movie Makeover, and we review that movie. And I was like, to me, if those two were to switch roles it would have just made the movie so much better. Like, I honestly feel oh, that if you just switch the roles of Tommy Lee Jones and um, Jim Carrey, mm -hmm. if they switch and do the opposite, I feel like it has the right amount. Like, you get what you're supposed mm -hmm. to get from those characters. I, oh, I would love idea. to see Jim Carrey do Two-Face now or now back in, like, 2004. <laughs> yeah, like uh, Jim Carrey as Two-Face in the Nolanverse. Not that, just okay. just because back in the '90s he was a one. He only had one face. Mm -hmm, if you true. got Jim Carrey, he was a hundred percent comedy, and that's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't until you know, uh, Man on the Moon, Truman Show, Truman Show, where he started to show his uh, you know his more dramatic side. Mm -hmm. And I think if people saw that, that he could play both coins, then they're like, oh fuck, he is a great Two Face. Uh, was the coins reference there very deliberate on your part? Yes. Nice. <laughs> nice. No, I look, I I like those movies. Like, look, I will sit down and watch Batman Forever and uh, Batman and Robin way before I'll sit down and rewatch The Dark Knight Rises. Really? Well, Cameron and I talk about this a lot, the idea between a, a good bad movie and a bad good movie. That's, For me, that's very true. Batman Forever, Batman and Robin are good bad movies. They're absolutely bad movies, but my God, are they entertaining. Like, at no point do you ever get bored. It's like, it's fun, it's dumb. It's not, it's, it's a romp from start to finish. Yeah. Like, that's mm -hmm. one of the things, it's like, if we were doing Cinema Sins, it's just like, is that the whole movie? Like, yeah. like you just, there's not one scene where you can't pick at something, and you're right, that makes it an enjoyable watch. Right, yeah. or it's like, if the, the Dark Knight Rises, it's so fucking boring. It's like three hours, nothing happens. There's like 20 minutes of Batman. The only good part of it is Anne Hathaway. Yeah. I you think. just watch a supercut of her and skip the rest of it. Like, Well, I, I wanted to do a comparison because they're two very different movies. I want to do a comparison of Camp v. Camp of like good camp versus bad camp. And I'll compare it to Dick Tracy. Oh, that's Ooh. right. Yeah. Where Dick Tracy is also very camp, very dedicated to the source material. But it's not like they're both good, bad movies. But like you see, like, using camp positively in Batman and Robin and okay. in Batman Forever. 
I, I, yeah. I, I would definitely be down to watch that. Yeah. <laughs> th- th- those movies are a mess, but at least they're totally consistent. Yeah. They're consistently a mess. Consistent is yeah. consistency. But, is key. I mean, everyone knows Joel Schumacher from that, but like, I looked him up to see what else he had done. There's Lost like, Boys? A, uh, yeah, Lost Boys, like St. Elmo's Fire, um, other movies that I have never seen but know of, 8mm, Tigerland, Bad Company. I have seen Phone Booth. I only saw it when it came out like many, many years ago. But I remember that being like, pretty good it was i will say that i love the concept of phone booth yeah um and that's the one with uh colin farrell colin farrell yeah and then Kiefer sutherland's the guy on the phone but what's funny about it is like that's also just such a time period oh my god i know right can you imagine like coming out with (laughs) phone booth now it just doesn't make sense (laughs) good luck finding one (laughs) why would you even be in there you mean porta potty i don't know (laughs) well that'd be a good spin i mean it could just be like joel schumacher doing his own doctor who okay yeah yeah i would watch a joel schumacher doctor who movie that would be insane well you can't no, 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 I can't anymore. And I have never seen the Fan of the Opera movie. I've seen the stage show, but yeah. I, I should maybe watch it at some point. If anything, just the, the curiosity of Gerard Butler singing. I mean this in the best way. I'm not that gay. So. Okay, fair. <laughs> I mean, in hindsight, that kind of makes perfect sense. Like, Fan of the Opera is very, very campy. Mm-hmm. So I guess it kind of makes sense. I don't know. But I mean, look, an interesting guy, certainly. Um, I also love the the article that I had, I had to bring up again here from a few years ago where he talked about having sex with 20,000 partners over the course of his lifetime. I mean, again, as a gay man, seems reasonable. Well, that's exactly <laughs> it. He's like, to most people, that would seem extreme. But it's, you know, as a gay man, it's available. Yeah. It's yeah. not that, it's like, not that okay. much. You're yeah. Like, <laughs> I can see how that could happen. I mean, 80, 80 years. 80 years, money. Yeah, in the entertainment industry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, talk about being 20,000 20, leagues under the sea, right? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. But I mean, look, uh, an, an interesting figure, certainly in film in general, but especially in like Batman history. But like, I, you know, I, I think though those movies are often dismissed, like, I love that they exist. Because, like, you get to have this own weird version of Batman. If you want the, like, the super gritty, serious version, you can go to Nolan. But if you want, like, a fun adventure movie, like, fuck, put it on. Why not? Also, like, um, I think we've had this conversation before, but Batman has eras and he's very reflective of the times that he's in. And the 90s Batman just tells you where we were in the 90s. And it's a very good reflection. I love time capsule movies so much. Yeah. Do you love Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Absolutely. Which is literally set inside a time capsule. <laughs> yeah. That's nice. what you're doing. Nice. I'm not going to play along with <laughs> you're this. You're not going to go with it. That's why I have CJ here. He'll go along with my yeah. jokes. <laughs> well, I mean, like, like Empire Records is one that I bring up a lot. Oh, okay. Uh, which is a 1996 that. movie. Uh, it's it's Linklater-esque, where it's you follow a group of kids that work in a record store through one day of their life. Okay. And it's so, like, the music is just, like, a perfect encapsulation of 1996. It's it's like a rundown record store that's trying to be bought out by a corporate office. I love how many movies <laughs> in the '90s are about corporate takeovers. Like, oh yeah, you've got mail is literally like, that's yeah. the yeah. That, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> the premise. There's so many movies in the '90s are like big business coming for you, um, and then we forget about it because 9/11. <laughs> oh yeah, there's that well, because they also took them all over. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Again, with the distraction. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at that point, every character ever played by Richard Gere had taken over every company in the entire United States. Yeah, I was like, yeah, we don't see those movies anymore because. 
it happened. They won. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they did it. That's what's really I'll say. Like living in 2020, it's really weird to watch all of these movies that are like warning signs, and you're like, "Well, we're just in that now." Like, yeah, yeah we're um, here. I don't know if anyone's seen Enemy of the State recently with Will Smith. No, no. I don't know if I even saw it when it came out. You actually. should watch Enemy of the State first of all because it's like. Every single thing that they were worried about and it's seen as like bogus and like mm-hmm. who's going to like who would take the time to like steal your information or like it's all like seen as paranoia. All of it's happening like every yeah. single thing. Oh, and what's it. crazy is like I'll say it came out in 99. Two years later, the whole premise of like what they are trying to fight against uh, the Patriot Act happens and it's like all reality. So it's like uh, almost like a foresight movie. It's crazy. Mm-hmm fuck <laughs> i mean I'll, I'll throw out my favorite one of my favorite movies of all time speed racer is the story of small business taking on the big corporation and winning mm-hmm. one of the few times it happens yeah and of I course the movie failed racer. yeah well that's also part of the reason that movie is so like outlandish and over the top and unrealistic <laughs> yeah well it's, it's weird because like it's it the movie is a kid's movie that has this huge adult concept of like how do you take on corporate corruption I've heard that uh, Speed Racer, like especially now, it has like such a huge following. Oh yeah, it's just me. Like, it's just me it's... being very loud. Mostly just Cameron. Yeah, but no, I've heard a lot of people say you should really watch Speed Racer. You should. It's really, really good. If if I could and I will make a cut where you take out uh, Chimp Chimp and Spritel, Spritel, mm-hmm. uh, the movie will go from like like a sixty percent on Rotten Tomatoes to like a ninety five percent. Yeah. You know what movie's that way for me? Josie and the Pussycats. I just watched that last week. I've never seen it. Oh my it. God. Love that movie. It's on movie. HBO Max. Uh, Hot plug. Of course it is. Absolutely love it. And then also it's hilarious to me because like you watch it and you're like, no, they were actually trying to give you very like good insight into the music industry yes. and marketing and all of these things that again, when you watch as a kid, you're like, this is a funny concept. But as you get older, you're like, no, this was like... Uh, Nostradamus. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I as someone in the marketing industry, I'm like, I see myself cheering for the villain for a minute. I'm like, no, no, that's how you're supposed to do it. <laughs> also, speaking of time capsules, the fact that Rachel Lee Cook is the star of that movie yes. gives you an exact idea of when it was made. Everything yeah. you need to know. Yeah. And also, <laughs> earlier Rosario Dawson. Early Rosario Dawson. Oh, God. Tara Rosario Reed Dawson. is in the movie. Oh, yeah, I think, oh there we go. <laughs> we're, we're glossing over the exact, <laughs> the most obvious time capsule. Yes. Tara Reed is one of the top three, so... <laughs> Uh, her existence preserves the early 2000s far better than she has preserved in real life. Oh, <laughs> sad but true. Uh, but no, I mean, it is it is sad that Joel Schumacher's gone, and uh, you feel like maybe he could have had some more stuff in him, maybe even at 80. Like, I looked it up. The last thing he did is he did a couple episodes of um, uh, House of Cards, like back in, like, 2013. Oh. So, I mean, he hadn't really done anything in, in quite a few years, and I don't know. It would have been interesting to see what else he could have done, but... Uh, sad news there, but we're not done talking about 90s Batman, because somehow everything was back around again. Absolutely. Uh, and the, the, the big thing that shook the nerd world this week, of course, was the... I'm not going to call it an announcement, because it's like a rumor, I would say, at this point, that Michael Keaton's coming back to play both Bruce Wayne and Batman. He will be suited up, apparently, in Flashpoint. Uh, thoughts? I'm excited. C- I'm doing C- a little dance. CJ's dancing over there. So <laughs> Do a little dance. What he's <laughs> so, so I make a lot of jokes. We make a lot of jokes. But mainly I make a lot of jokes about the never-to-come movie that is New Mutants. Yes. But what really, the reality is we have the movie 
that is more rumor than film uh, that is Flashpoint. Yes. And so any news that comes out of that movie, I'm excited for for like the first five minutes. And then I remember that like, this is not a movie. This is this is not a like it's it's a fever dream of fans. Yes. <laughs> well, because I think that's the the big thing. It's like th- I mean, this in theory, this would be exciting. Yes. To see like uh, Michael Keaton's amazing in those movies. Michael Keaton in general is like he's just a fun actor who seems to understand what he's supposed to bring to yeah. the character. Like him and Vul- him as Vulture <gasps> in the Spider Man movie is like I think he was one of the first villains in the Marvel universe where people were like, Oh no, this guy makes sense. And yeah. He's right. Yeah. Like the vulture's yeah. right in his thinking. And, mm-hmm. and also hearing method. the behind the scenes stories from Tom Holland. Oh yeah. Where Michael Keaton would walk behind him and just go, I'm Batman. I'm Batman. <laughs> I'm Batman. Like in every shot. Also, or him playing Birdman. Like he's, yeah. To yeah. me, he's reached the, um, God, I can't think of his name. Jeff Goldblum. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Of, like respected actor, but who, someone who also knows what the public wants of him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, he, he understands his own legacy and reputation and is not only comfortable with it, but like it's fun with it. He like pokes fun at himself, but like he's also like actually like genuinely talented and able to back it up. And I think that would be important for a DC movie. Cause one of the problems with DC movies is they don't really know how to bring the humor. Like it's yeah. either like forced and you're like, eh, I get where you were going with it. Or um, it's absent. So I think having someone like Michael Keaton, who um, like being a comedian, comedic mm-hmm. actor is part of his shtick. Yeah, I think would be able to just naturally give them something to work with. And and even his portrayal as particularly Bruce Wayne in those movies, like there is an undercurrent of like really dry comedy in there. Yeah, that you know he he has this sort of talent, and, and I think it'd be interesting to see him pop up. I mean, everyone thought like because well, the whole point of Flashpoint is that. Barry goes back in time to try and save his mom, and it creates ripple effects through the universe, and so we get all these multiverses, which, so maybe in theory they're trying to make this movie be, like, a way to justify all these crazy, disparate pieces exist mm-hmm. in some sort of sense, and this might be their way of also, like, undoing everything they was trying to do really, really hard and failing at for the last 10 years. Trying to Ryan Johnson it? <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> Ryan Johnson actually did a decent-ish job. That's a separate. That's a, that's a separate tangent. <laughs> that's there. what you say. Yes. <laughs> but like, they're probably gonna try to undo some stuff. But like, it's an interesting way to go. You know, okay, instead of doing the the Thomas Wayne version of Batman that was in the Flashpoint comic, he's just gonna come across a different, like, jaded older version of, of Batman, which we already did with yeah, Ben even, Affleck. Even older. <laughs> it's even older, even more jaded, I guess. So like. His, his inclusion could be interesting. It feels a little bit stunty. I mean, Cameron, you and I have this running theory that Warner Brothers just puts out these rumors just to, like, test They're the waters. Hooks. Yeah. Yeah, just fish hooks. Just trying to see what people would react. And I, and I think pretty much unanimously everyone's super excited about this. But also, Cameron, to your point, will this even happen? I, I also think this is the... We, we are just off the back of... It's weird to think this was less than a year ago. We're just off the back of the big Arrowverse like the major Arrowverse TV crossover yeah, where they had everyone come back. Well, and not only that, but in the most recent crisis and in infinite earth crossover in the, yeah, the, yeah, that's which, what I'm talking yeah about. which yeah, I yeah. did watch it. Ugh. Um, but they had Ezra Miller as the flash pop up for a little bit. And like, that's mm-hmm. who he gets his name of the flash. Like it's a cool nod. It's a cool moment to throw in there. Um, but like, I just, I'm skeptical. This is even going to happen. So mm-hmm. we, we've, We've gone through the history of this multiple times. I brought it up again on Wikipedia just so I had the data in case I needed it. But currently, it's in the hands of Andy Muschietti, 
who did the It movies. So obviously, like, you know, that did the first in particular super well for Warner Brothers. So they love to pull their own directors in from their stable. So maybe this is still happening, but also is Ezra Miller even going to still be in this? Because last we saw him, he was like attacking people on the street. Yeah, I was like, so, you know, like a big like drunken altercation recently. Yeah, recently being. <laughs> yeah, I mean everything. What is, gets what is, what, what, what is yeah. time at this point? <laughs> Maybe the flashpoint will answer that for us. <laughs> there you so, go. Wait, was the crisis this year? Did it yeah. end this January? Holy shit! Yeah, the, the crisis uh, era versus crossover was this oh year. Oh my god! <laughs> That's how long this year has been. We're yeah. halfway through. That felt like two years ago. Yes. Now. <laughs> hey, do you guys remember at one point Australia was on fire this year? Yeah, I I exactly. That. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Like, I'm literally getting fatigued. Like, I'll see stories now, and I'm like, I don't, I can't. Like, <laughs> I, I, like, I want to care, but, like, who knows what tomorrow will bring. I got to save some of that energy. I, I feel like CNN's going to put out a video, like, a series at the end of this year. They normally do, like, the decades, like, the 80s, the 90s. It's just going to be 2020. Just yeah. the year 2020, in case you forgot all these month things happened. Month. Yes. <laughs> there, was, there was a joke that I saw this morning that's like, if you don't believe in time travel, look at 2020. Just <laughs> people trying so hard to fix something and make it so much worse. Absolutely. Someone was like, "Do you know there are um, there are locusts now? Mm-hmm. There's like a plague of locusts like, actually out." I was like, little... "That's what we're, we're literally dealing with a plague of locusts. Yeah. I can't even." <laughs> Someone just dropped the plot thread of the murder hornets at this point. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know what the fuck is happening. So who knows? We very well may end up getting a flash movie. I don't know. I mean, would that make this the darkest timeline? <laughs> I think it does actually. Yeah, I think we're we're living the flash. I mean, we're getting the Snyder cut, so That's I feel true. like yeah, yeah, it tracks. Oh, we did get the the teaser. I don't know if we talked about that. Did oh, we, we talk about that last week? Uh, no, we didn't. It's nonsense. Yeah, it's just one Roman <laughs> in a crypt, and then a, a wide shot of a really ugly looking dark side. Yeah, who kind of at a distance looks like Abomination from the Incredible Hulk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I'm I'm gonna guess. That was rendered between <laughs> the announcement and this <laughs> teaser. Quite possibly. It's like, uh, hey, you have 48 hours to render out a full 3D character. Yeah. Like, I mean... Ex- excuse me? Like, at the end of the day, if this movie is good, I'll be happy. Like, I don't... I have no expectations of any sort of connected universe at this point. That ball has been thoroughly dropped. So if they can make a decent Flash movie, and as long as it doesn't just hang on the inclusion of Batman, as long as an actual like, proper Flash movie, then hopefully it might be good. And I think that's what's really important. Um, as critical as I am of DC movies, and mm-hmm. like a lot of people are, I think that people forget, as an audience, we're very forgiving if it's a good movie. Yeah. If you make a good movie, no one cares. Yeah. <laughs> like, we were all up in arms about Heath Ledger playing Joker, and then he nailed it, and everyone was like, I was wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... We were also up in arms around Jared Leto. Yeah. But we were right. But we yeah, were exactly. right. <laughs> but, but then, again, Joaquin. I mean, like, yeah, again, yeah, by, yeah. by the time Joaquin had come around, we had been so jaded. We were like, you know what? Honestly, just make a movie that starts and ends. Did, did, you, <laughs> did you see the post about the exponential Joker curve? I did see that. Yeah. That if you if you take the timeline, if you if you draw a graph of how often we get a new Joker, by 2024, we're going to get a new Joker every year. By 20, what, 2027, mm-hmm. we're getting a new Joker movie every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that makes sense. Yes. Uh, yeah, let's just, maybe let's take a pause in the Joker. Let's just do more Carly. Yes. I want Clayface. Clayface I want a Clayface. Would be good. Clayface would be good. Uh, especially after having watched the season two of uh, the Harley Quinn animated series. I Cla- love Clayface. Clayface is now one of my all-time favorite characters. Absolutely. They, they were able to make Clayface 
really enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, he's one of my favorite characters. He's so good. But oh, I will say I love the animated series version of Bane just because it's yes. like it's <laughs> such a good running joke to me. <laughs> he's um, everyone's least favorite villain. He's the most ineffectual person in the exactly. entire universe. But he always has the the accent. And yes. I think that that's like it's just beautifully written. Uh, I also love this James Adomian who does the voice. Oh, is it? Yeah. Who uh, he, he, the most famous thing he was for was. Back in 2016, he did a, like a whole bunch of sketches uh, doing a really incredible Bernie Sanders impression. Oh, okay. But he's a, he's a really talented, funny uh, comedian. But yeah, I, I... Wait, Cameron, have you watched Harley? I have not watched any of season two yet. Oh, it's so good. It's, it seems like it's just going to be No Man's Land, but they hit so much other stuff in there. And uh, yeah, at this point, I just want to see a movie that's a spinoff of Alan Tudyk playing Clayface. Yeah. It's all <laughs> I want in this world now. Oh, God, and like there's just the, the hubris of... Um... An out of work actor. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's just so many jokes to tell. I love it. Uh, so many people in Los Angeles who can relate to that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's relatable, is what we're saying. Yes. Uh, but I don't know. It'd be interesting. Hopefully, Flashpoint actually happens. Hopefully, Michael Keaton pops up in it. But at the end of the day, who the fuck knows? Yeah. So. Not WB, that's for sure. <laughs> that's for damn sure. All right. Well, should we get to our uh, the, the meat of the episode here? Our Let's static do it. shock. Blast episode? from the past. Blast from the past. Uh, yeah. So this uh, is the season three finale. Although I guess technically it's chronologically set between the two uh, halves of the Justice League crossover, which is why Richie doesn't appear. Mm-hmm. So that, that was kind of interesting. Yeah, it's the only episode Richie doesn't. Yeah, appear. only episode of that Richie, which is kind of uh, a weird take, but. Uh, in this one, um, Static ends up teaming up with a retired superhero named Soul Power. Soul Power. Soul Power uh, <laughs> to take down his old nemesis, Professor Menace, who's using his army of robots to build a weather machine. Yes. Did you uh, did you catch his name though? Uh, it's Dennis. Dennis the Menace. Yes. <laughs> I did not miss that, and now I love it even more. <laughs> Which is fantastic. Like it. I mean, so I guess this episode was originally supposed to be Black Lightning. That's who they wanted. Correct. And mm. then they would have had to pay royalties to the creator of Black Lightning, whose name I have right here, uh, Tony Isabella. And they didn't want to do that. So they was like, okay, just substitute in a completely different superhero instead. That actually makes way more sense. Doesn't and that it? makes this make way more sense. But uh, there was just so much exposition in mm-hmm. this episode. I, I get that. But at the same time, it felt... Like, I, I wanted to, I tried to Google, like, oh, like, there must be so much more soul power info out there. Yeah. It's not. This is a one-time character that yep. ne- doesn't appear, it appears in a comic mm-hmm. after this. But, like, they set this character up. It's the same way with the Grey Ghost. But because mm, yeah. the Grey Ghost was voiced by Adam West, Adam we just knew his backstory. Yeah. Where with this, like, I, I think this episode is comparable to the Grey Ghost. That's fair. Yeah. I will say, I'll say that they created a character that I would not mind learning more about. And mm-hmm. I feel like there is a lot that you could do. Like I found myself, uh, again, I have not been watching, but with um, just static shock in general, I was like, I really would like to see an updated version of this character. I would oh love God, yes. us to expand this universe because there's so much meat there, especially in the world that we're living in right now that I feel would be very, very uh, entertaining and just timely to do um and the idea of two generations or almost three generations if you yeah. include sparky mm-hmm. coming together um 
was really, really great, especially when, like, almost the model of this episode is you're never too old to fight for justice. Yeah. And I thought that was really fantastic to see. Um, and again, I have a, a lot more. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's a good point. It's basically the shaft of Static Shock episodes. It, it is hard <laughs> when they all when they all like fist bump. I was ready to hear like shaft. Yeah. <laughs> well, like they do. They're one of the things that's funny about Soul Power and his character is you could tell they were pulling from all of these. Like, there's no reason for, what is it called, the Soulmobile or whatever? Oh, yeah. Loved it. I was like, why? You've already established (laughs) how he travels. Why do we need a car in this? But I do think that, um, especially if you're talking about 70s Mm blaxploitation superheroes, he would have a Cadillac. Oh, he absolutely would have. He would have to have that um, symbol of status and wealth. And so... It was interesting that it was presented, but also from like a story point, I was like, w- w- what was the use of this? <laughs> why, why do we have this? Well, he, and he's also an interesting character within this universe because he's a character that has his own comic books. Yeah. Which I thought that was a, a weird thing. I don't think we've seen that anywhere else. Like, the, you know, the heroes in this universe are known and there's like, like fandom around them and like, you know, toys and that sort of stuff. Like there's a, a cult of personality built around these characters, but... I don't think we've ever seen another character that had his own like comic series too. This is also the oldest hero we know, though. He's he's forty years retired. Yeah, that's another interesting thing. Like in some ways, it almost it. I I would I, oh, watch our database, Maddie Washburn. What are your thoughts about how Soul Power fits into like the DCAU continuity? Because you're right, this would establish him as basically the oldest hero, except for maybe uh, we. Well, the Wildcat's old, but not that old. Right. I, I mean, the Justice only the only, uh, the only thing we have around that time would be when the Justice League goes back to World War II. That's true, but there's no... There's no heroes, There's though. no heroes, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he like... Except our military. The real heroes <laughs> out there. <laughs> Thank you, Cameron. Thank Brought you. Brought to you by the American government. <laughs> yes. Brought to you by the greatest generation. Uh, but yeah, he would basically become like the oldest hero in the universe. That, like For me, that raised the question of... Like, I want to know more about him. I want to know, like, how, like, where his influence is. Like, there's that fantastic moment where Pops is geeking out about him. Yeah. Yes. I thought that was very... uh, Two things about that scene. One, my boyfriend actually has just gotten to the process of grading the comic books that he had as a kid. Oh, damn. And so when Pops is like, oh, the money I could have made. I was like, no, dude, you don't understand how much money you actually could have made. Yeah. Because my boyfriend is like, we have thousands of dollars now in our possession just from like his old comic books. Mm -hmm. And that's not like even the whole collection. It's just a small part. Uh, So there was that. But then also in my mind, we have something like the most recent um, HBO series of Watchmen, Mm, which also revisits like one of the first superheroes or masked Avengers or whatever you want to call it. It tells that story. And I think that if even the CW's version of Black Lightning were Mm -hmm. to introduce soul power, I think you could really have some interesting conversations and really establish something. I'm sorry, there was, there was something I was, I was about to say, and it, it <laughs> I literally just slipped my mind. No, 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 no you're, you're doing fine. I'll say some more things about Soul Power that I thought was really interesting. A few things, including, like, the influences. I was like, I love how he has the medallion, because, again, he's from the 70s, mm-hmm. and you would have that medallion. Um, and it's so, like, un- like not uncomfortable to, to see. I feel like, as someone who's running around that much, it would be such a hindrance. Yeah. All the time. There are plenty of things that, again, I'm like, you only did this because at the time it seemed right. But according to your powers, it doesn't really make sense mm-hmm. <laughs> for you to have. But no. that fro was tight. 
But that he was, was really amazing. Nice friend. Yeah, I'll yeah. give him that. Uh, this this is the point that I wanted to make. Um, so we saw with this would have not been something we wouldn't have seen in a 2003 show. But we saw with little Romeo, there were kind of like three little moments that led up to his cameo. Okay, yeah, little there nods were, there were, to his yeah, existence. three little references. Yeah, I think what the show could have done to just like really blow this out of the water is while he's also a comic, get rid of the the like the fake Star Wars universe they're setting up in the background of the show mm-hmm. and make it he's the first superhero that's getting his own film. Oh, and you have that could like be you cool. you go into these kids' houses and like uh, who was the the guy was that was it uh, what's his face that had uh, the gun that had the poster in his room? It is, yeah. Oh, Jimmy? Jimmy, yeah. Have Jimmy have like a poster in his room of soul power. And he's like, he can't ever talk about it with anyone because no one knows or cares about him. And you can even play that up where Virgil is so bored of this character because that's who his dad grew up with. Oh, okay. He's like, yeah. I'm so, I don't care about soul power anymore. That's my dad's hero. And so then that like comes into full force in this episode when it starts off with all the old people like, read us another comic, read us another comic. He's like, no. Like he's a dumb hero with dumb powers. So you should, you should know Static. Static's the cool guy now. Yeah. So that brings up um, one of the themes of this episode, which honestly is a theme in a lot of African-American culture, media, literature, is this idea of the new and the old mm-hmm. and respect of the new and the old. Mm-hmm. And I will say that in America in general, we don't really respect our elders that oh, way yeah, that we do all. in other cultures. Right, so we put the, them in a home and ignore them. <laughs> which is exactly how this episode opens <laughs> yeah. up. And I thought that that was very interesting, this idea of static really kind of being disrespectful to soul power and dismissing him. I was like, you have the exact same powers. How are you this high and mighty? And the only difference, what's even more hilarious is he keeps making fun of soul power for like being outdated. And I was like, this show is outdated. Everything that you're saying <laughs> is so specific to 2000, 2003, whatever. Yeah. And it does not work out of this context. So it's hilarious that you are so dismissive and so judging of the world that Soul Power came from mm-hmm. without really acknowledging how much of um, a bubble or kind of like a limited situation you're in. And yeah. I like that they at least try to bridge that. And again, the whole, you're not never too old to fight for justice thing. Yeah. Um, so many people make a comment on soul powers age. Um, but as we see, like they all eventually do come together. Yeah. And I thought that that was really important. Well, and he's still got it. He still got it. And he's also, he has knowledge about certain yeah. things. Um, that, is, that is important. I will say his technology being outdated was a great thing for them to pull up, including yeah. the fact that one of the questions I had is he has like this whole, what is it called? The power pad. Or yes. Whatever. Oh, such a great name. That power pad place, which by the way is a great name. I was like, does Static come back and use this later? Like you have like real estate. Like the dollar bill is like this is prime real estate. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> you have this whole room. It's powered by electricity, which you have. Mm-hmm. Why not just co-op this and be like, hey, can I use this as a headquarters moving forward <laughs> instead of our gas station that we keep using? <laughs> yeah, but see, there's no bathroom down there. Well, I mean, well. <laughs> One of the things I was going to mention is the computer that he uses. He's like, I'm putting in the input data. I was like, all of this could probably be done on a, like, not a phone at this point in time, but definitely, like, a Mac. A palm pad. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. <laughs> I, yeah, I love that it had, like, the old, like, like tape, yeah. like, computing, like, the stuff down there. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was fun to see 
because you know, I, I think even some of those you know polls are, I think are meant to be reminiscent of the '60s Batman in some yeah. capacity too, like pulling from that history. And it's fun to see him in there, and I, and I love that he has a sidekick. Yeah, too. Like, cause they, I mean, people make fun of Gear for being like Static's sidekick, but we, they're actually at this point in the the DCAU, there haven't been that many sidekicks. With really. I me, mean, obviously, Batman's had his whole menagerie of people, but beyond that, it's like that most folk. heroes don't have them. And it was fun to see that here. I mean, especially because uh, Sparky is essentially an Incrediboy from the Incredibles. Actually, yeah. if you think about it, like, oh, he, I, I thought I did the Kid Flash comparison. Oh yeah, that's a good one too. Mm-hmm. Where yeah, he uh, we learn how Soul Power gets his power is from a, 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 OSHA a, violation. A, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's what I was like. I was like, this sounds like just, OSHA man. Yeah. <laughs> this sounds like a workman's comp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whenever there's a falling ladder, I'll be there. Because <laughs> yeah, what, what was it like? It was like an accident at the turbines at the Hoover Dam, and he yeah, gets like gave supercharged. Him the power of four, four. Ten. Oh, ten turbines. Ten turbines. Yeah. yeah, I was like, okay. Also, just seems very deadly. Like, <laughs> yeah, class action lawsuit. Uh, so I wanted to bring up because you talked about like him having experience and knowledge. I think we see that in his fighting style because we've brought up before that Static <clears throat> isn't. He has no combat training. He doesn't right. ever punch anyone. He just throws his lightning. Mm-hmm. And if that fails, gear does something. Yeah. Uh, but in this, we see like an experienced hero coming in and you know, kind of like moving his power to his fists and actually punching someone. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense because this is someone that has training mm-hmm. and that is exactly how they would use their power. Smart. Yeah. He actually knows what he's doing. I, I also love that he uh, can ride the, the electric wire. That's so, uh, that, that's, that's so the one thing clever. that I remember. It's cool, but also feels very limiting. Yeah. <laughs> You know, he's, he's a city hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's exactly. the Spider-Man effect. You're not going to see him go and fight in the suburbs. Yeah, I'm hey. just saying you're very limited to where you can operate. Mm-hmm. All, I'm, all I'm pointing out. It's probably only one route he can take. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's up and down the street, and that's <laughs> it. But that would also explain his, like, popularity, because I will say that the idea of him being as big as he was to where he has comic books and, like, a video series and all this mm-hmm. other stuff... Uh, again, not knowing the world of Static Shock that much, I was like, it is kind of amazing and kind of like very telling of America that this man is like now alone and in yeah. a retirement home mm-hmm. as opposed to... With his arch nemesis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> as opposed to living off royalties of all of these things, you know? Like, oh, yeah, good what point. What manager did he have? Oh, he what got Bob Kane out of this shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he got Bill Fingered? Yeah, he got, oh, fuck, he got Bill Fingered. <laughs> as I said the words, I kind of regretted it. <laughs> no, that's did good. You? That, that's a good... Did you? Because <laughs> that's going to become really. part There's of the no podcast part now. of me that doesn't think that your mind was like, say, <laughs> you were waiting for me to set that up that for like is. 60 episodes <laughs> I don't have any other notes it's just in all caps Bill Finger <laughs> but like I, so you, you mentioned um, that he's in the old folks home with his arch nemesis I mean it was clearly going to be an important character because you could tell that it was a notable actor it was mm-hmm. Terrence Stamp voicing it was the old man okay like clearly this guy's going to have some sort of importance were either of you expecting a red herring there 
Oh, of it being the the sidekick. I was uh, in my mind. I thought, oh, maybe it's going to be the sidekick is the one who's actually behind this, and then like they're going to suspect the the guy in the retirement home. But see, you're shaking your head. Everything no, like, seemed so straightforward to me in this episode. I was like, I get it. I get yeah. where we're going. I, I mean, the I like, <laughs> the the guy announcing himself as the sidekick. I wasn't expecting that. Really? Yeah. No. From the very beginning, I was like, oh, absolutely. Everything is like laid out, and to me, it was laid out so obvious. I was kind of upset because i was like children can understand more nuanced concepts like you well, i didn't you can layer it a little <laughs> bit more but maybe i'm just that sophisticated um but um when we bring up sparky what i thought was interesting about the relationship between uh, static sparky and soul power is this idea of soul power being like I fought crime like this so you could get a position like this. Yeah. And that's pretty much this, um, the legacy of just black, I don't know, fighting for justice. I was going to say social work, but mm -hmm. just in general, civil rights, all of it, the generations of on the ground work that you do to, so the generation mm -hmm. could be better. And then how that next generation treats the older generation. Right. Mm -hmm. And the idea that he, like you have someone who now works and owns satellite companies. Yeah, like this and, massive satellite company. Yeah, exactly. He's really, and again, if you want to go back to the idea that Soul Power is in a retirement home, but his sidekick owns um, what I would assume would be like a Fortune 500 company. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and like all of this... Uh, top of the line technology and it's it was just a very interesting um thought for me to run with and just kind of explore the idea yeah. of these intergenerations and how each generation has built off of the last one but that again lack of respect that's mm -hmm. there yeah yeah because i guess if you think about like static you know didn't have to fight for the like privilege and access that he has and he just is dismissive like what you were just like this random superhero what did you do really no, i was a black superhero yeah. in the 70s, in the 70s. Uh, show some respect <laughs> yes. but i will say also um what i kind of applauded this show for was our we weren't dealing with civil rights issues it's not like mm -hmm. we were going back to oh hey did you know that i was a black superhero in the 70s and racism was bad back then like mm -hmm. that's yeah. not what we spent our time doing we spent our time dealing uh, with an actual villain who mm -hmm. you know we kind of pick up where things left off from there but i just thought that that was kind of uh, a good point that we're not revisiting the past and going immediately back to the civil rights movement. We yeah. are kind of handling all of that in a very nuanced way. No, that's a good point. Yeah. That's cause, cause not... we also just kind of talked about a similar point last week. Mm -hmm. Last week there was an episode where static goes back in time to talk to his mom because her mom, his mom died in not the LA riots, but the LA riots <laughs> as a paramedic mm -hmm. uh, and how they, the animators did such a unique job of uh, like not putting any detail into the background because they, it for us who live on the West Coast, the LA riots immediately come to mind first. Yeah. But you know, for people in the Midway, you know, like the Chicago area and the Detroit area, they have their own thing they can see in that scene. For the East Coast people, they have their own moments they can see in that scene. Like they, while it's still specific to a person, they do such a good job of keeping it pretty broad for the for an audience. 
And, and really honing in the story they want to tell. Right. Like here, like CJ, your point. It's a story about generational heroes and what they can learn from each other. And you can maybe pull references to like the civil rights element of it, but it's not the focal point of it. Like, you know, we're going to talk this very, very specific thing. Especially when you're dealing, again, with black media and time travel and just black stories in general, so much of it is spent on trying to educate white people on the fact that discrimination was bad or like blacks people have had this hard run which is true and that's very important but there's just so much more to the black experience yeah and to see this um soul power superhero who again he's not fighting clan members i'm sure he did in his time oh, but he, like he that's did. not what he's spending most of his time doing and we're not dealing with race issues it's kind of a relief and a, a very big part of me was like happy that I got to watch a story that wasn't just a reminder that it used to be bad for black people and yeah. it's still bad today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was just like a normal superhero story. Like, the superhero story in this is one we've seen countless times. Like, we've seen weather machines in other parts of the DCAU. Like, it's it's a classic element of, like, the superhero, the fight. And, like, you know, or him them fighting the robots, too. It's like, oh, like, all these are just, like, really normal things. I'm really glad you brought up the robots. This has nothing to do with anything other than the fact that I was like, if you are a super villain who has been fighting a electrical electric powered super villain why would you have metal robots why yeah. not plastic like why not <laughs> something they, that's they not had that a few episodes ago he fights toy man from mm -hmm. the superman universe and all his all his inventions are plastic yeah but the, what i'm saying is soul power like yeah. you, you've had generations to think about yeah, you this. had 30 years you even acknowledge like soul power is like he knows how to fight uh, an electric powered superhero. And I was like, well, apparently not that well if you're still using metal robots. Glass even. I mean, like, give yeah. me something. <laughs> something that's not a conductor. Well, yeah. we, we learn in the show that everything is conductive with enough electric force. Yeah, there, there's also that. Yeah, we, we've seen Static use his powers on uh, tires, tires, literally on rubber. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he gets he gets buried yeah. in a pile of tires and he lifts them all up with his power. Like, just like for a minute, let's be a little realistic with yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. You know, physics is a thing. But no, I, I also love... Um, that when they we get the the villain in this Professor Menace, Dennis the Menace, <laughs> Dennis the Menace, great name. That like if he appears young and he comes up with this whole crazy story about how he like cryogenically frozen. He reverse Austin awesome powers himself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he Austin awesome powers himself. <laughs> but I, I love that the reality is that it's all been an illusion. And I think there's something kind of interesting there. You know, you're talking about like generational heroes and the fact that um, Soul Power still believes in himself as well as the confidence and believes that even at his age, he's still a valid hero. And he's not trying to like, you know, put on like a, like a fake fro or something like that. It's not trying to like recreate his old image. He's like, no, I'm old, but I still have it compared to his villain who is going out of his way to pretend that he is still young and youthful. I thought that was just kind of an interesting thing of like also accepting where your life has gone, the hero versus the villain. I, I would have loved to see like, him put on a fake fro though and static i call him out on it yeah and then static uses powers to lift a completely non-metallic fro but off it. i think what you said is also very important this idea of ownership of who you are as you said mm -hmm. uh soul power is 100 percent confident in he doesn't try to do more than he uh can do yeah and as a matter of fact he's very um self-aware in the sense that when most people dismiss his age he's like no i can still do this part yeah. And then when he gets to the certain point where he's drained, he's like, I like I can't move. Um, sorry, I don't have enough juice 
to move on from this. And he's just accepting of his himself, but he's also not limited by yeah. either his own thinking or the expectations of others. Well, and, and if I recall, doesn't Sparky kind of do the same thing? Like, Sparky jumps in and just totally, like, slots right back into being a sidekick again. And, you know, CJ, to your point, like, this is a guy who's, like, achieved incredible things and, like, respect for his elders. Like, he defers to soul power still. Well, Despite actually, at first he didn't, and I think that, that I thought that that was important mm-hmm. to show that he's also like, aren't you a little too old to be doing this? Yeah. Um, but it took, I don't know, the resurgence of Dr. Menace or mm-hmm. whatever his Professor name is. Professor Dennis Menace. Dennis the Menace. Um, but I think also, um, I would just love to, like, I don't think they would do it, but to kind of bring Static Shock into the lightning, Black Lightning universe of yeah. CW. There, there's uh, been rumors of that happening at some point. I think it just, it would be um, fantastic to see because there's just so much that can be told and um, it, it would have a lot of weight right now. And I know yeah, there would, would be a fan base, but to even, I, I say bring static in, but it's also so we could bring soul power in. Yeah. Cause I feel like there is a lot going there. Um, the only thing I else I want to mention, and then I'll kind of back off is the, um, Global warming joke. Yes, I had that in there. I yeah. loved that global warming joke. There's I, this, I, um, there's this part in the episode where they are looking for abnormalities because he's like, that's how we'll be able to find Professor Menace. And in doing so, uh, they're looking at the entire map, and Static goes, "Well, no, that's just global warming." Yeah. So, like, yeah. Most like, of these issues are just global warming. You're like, holy <laughs> fuck, this is 2003. I, it was yeah. a throwaway line, but it was hilarious in its uh, impact and the fact that you know it's 2020 and we yeah, still you, you know Pop's a Gore supporter. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I, I want to ask because there there's been a sprinkling of passion behind a static live action film mm-hmm. and for a while. And I think he was great for it. Oh, for a while they wanted Jaden Smith yeah. to take on static. That would have been cool. Mm-hmm. Um, if they were to do that now, do we have a new, like up and coming young black actor? I don't. So here's the thing. I feel like, um, the fact that we can't think of anyone right now doesn't mean that there isn't. I feel like there are, uh, there are so many, um, black actors out there who just don't have the name recognition, but Mm -hmm. who would be fantastic in the role. Uh, that, that was something that, uh, inside the spider verse showed us that Mm -hmm. there are a lot of potential to tell black stories. We just usually aren't given that. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, um, our own imaginations are pretty limiting, but I, I'm definitely sure there are people out there. For example, the guy who plays the young version of Killmonger uh, in Black Panther. Like, I don't know what oh, that kid's doing, but yeah. he nailed the nuance of the emotions. So mm-hmm. yeah. I think it says a lot about the legacy of Static as a character that people still love him, even though the only major version of him is this show, and it's 20 years old now at this point. And he's sprinkled up in little places here and there. He's in Young Justice, obviously, but it's like, this is the defining version. People still love it. Well, also, I think you have to remember that black people just don't really get that many... um, There's that, too. They don't really get a lot of representation in general, especially if you're going to talk about a black teenage superhero. I mean, like, can you name many others? Um, And then black male superhero, because there are a lot of black female ones, not as many as there should be, Mm -hmm. but black women are represented because they're more marketable. Yeah, but no, I I, I like this episode. It It was a lot of fun. It was it was definitely entertaining. Again, for me, I think 
as a guest, I was just like, there's so much exposition. Like, there's just this is this is like usually the episodes aren't this exposition heavy. Yeah, it's because they introduced an entirely new character that we never a see villain, again. A sidekick, technology. But yeah. see, I thought one, one of the things that they could do is in the very beginning of the episode, we get this video of soul power. And I was like, why didn't you just do all of this during that video? Mm -hmm. Why weren't we watching the first episode of soul power, the television show or whatever. And it gave us all of that exposition. And then we enter the world into, you know, the modern world. Yeah. Like instead of Virgil reading a comic, like he's showing old episodes of the show, which gives us everything that we need to know. Just yeah. like, otherwise you have all these people explain to the point to where a static literally just goes, how did you get your powers? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just like, oh, <laughs> let me tell you, as a matter of fact, um, when, when he's talking to soul power about his origins, I'm like, there's a fire. Like, like yeah. you just, <laughs> you guys are like ambling along. There's all this, like, there's this debate on whether I should go or not. How do you know I was static? I was like, the whole reason why you came up here was that there was an emergency. Yeah. And we're just taking go? the time. <laughs> yeah. Like, can that, we? that thing you were supposed to go do, you should go do that right now. <laughs> all right. Well, um, so one of the segments we've been doing recently is uh, Cameron's Question Corner. Love it. Something we've been adding in uh, recently to kind of like help in the lack of news and stuff. And so sometimes we'll come up with a, a fun question. And so Cameron, you had a pretty good question about uh, like representation that I thought would be a, a good thing to talk here. Yeah. And in the midst of all the chaos that's going on right now and kind of this uh, big education push we've been having, which is, is so amazing. I, I'm very curious, like when did people first kind of see themselves represented on screen and how did that make them feel? So CJ, for you, when was the first time you felt kind of represented in either film or TV? So it's really funny because I have so many overlapping like diagrams of like who I am. And you're a complex individual. I'm a complex individual. <laughs> there are very few like me, except a whole bunch like me. Um, but except the, everyone in West Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? But um, my uh, when Lordy asked me this question originally. I was like, it's really funny because me and my co-host TC, we often talk about the fact that we grew up in that perfect moment of a 90s television where we actually saw representation in a way that no one else had, uh, no other black generation had before. Mm -hmm. So we grew up with The Cosby Show, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, um, Rugrats Had Susie. Like there were just so many versions of black representation on television that I, I never actually didn't feel seen um, in terms of my skin color um, for, for years. But I will say the first time that I felt seen, so to speak, was I was a very big frat boy in college, but I was also gay. And I, the gay stereotypes were so limiting and very specific that I never really saw myself until Happy Endings with the Max character. Yes! Like, not only oh. did that character connect with me, but I had friends reach out and be like, this is you. Yeah. Which in some ways is insulting, but in other ways <laughs> uh, was really was really fun to see because I got to see a gay uh, character be kind of a bro and kind of be someone who... Um, what like his gay identity wasn't all of him, but it also wasn't ignored. And I thought yeah. that, that was really truth to how I felt as a gay person. But then what's even crazier is the 
time I saw myself represented on television, which was a gay, black professional who had a straight best friend who they were able to like have these back and forths to where they respected each other's love lives uh, and everything. It wasn't until the 2014 uh, USA show Sirens um, that there's a character named Hank played by Kevin Daniels there. And Is Sirens the the paramedic show? It's the paramedic it. show. From okay, USA. yes. And yes. Uh, it was a television show that I... I don't remember why I started watching probably just like, and I was like, Oh, you know, I'll check it out. I'll binge some stuff. And again, like I said, this was a black gay professional character with a straight best friend. And he wasn't flamboyant or stereotypically gay, but he also didn't shy away from being stereotypically gay. If that's what it called for. And I actually ran into a, uh, the actor Kevin Daniels who plays him in WeHo. Um, and I told him, I was like, you what? were actually the very first time I actually saw myself on television. That's so and cool. that was a great moment for me. Cause I was like, this is like, I felt so specific and you know, again, you don't get a lot of those overlaps and to see a character portrayed like this was just phenomenal for me. Um, and again, he's like, he's a tall black man. Yeah. Um, and there's just so many things that I could connect to with that character. Um, and we even had like the same sense of humor and that was the first time I saw myself. So, uh, I was born in 88 and it took till 2014. <laughs> but, uh, I think as you said, representation is important because, Seeing that character, um, not only was it validating, but it also, it was a moment for me. And I and I don't really think I'm, I'll be able to put in words what it meant, but it, I mean, it meant enough for me to recognize it. And also when I was able to meet the actor who played yeah. him, I definitely wanted to let him know that he let me see me on television. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's so cool. You got a chance to meet him too. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's rare that you actually get that opportunity and then like to have a real genuine thing to say and not just like, Oh cool. You're famous. But like, no, like you're me. Like I saw myself. Yeah. It was so funny. Again, I'm like in this club in WeHo and I'm like, I hate being this person. I absolutely will not yeah, go you're, to you a are celebrity. Not this um, but this particular time I was like, you like a really obvious question he <laughs> yeah. was like it's like are you this guy and he was like yes i was like all right cool and anytime i do it i'm like by the way this is awkward for both of us yeah. so <laughs> we're both just gonna have to power through yeah. <laughs> like, like i don't want to be doing this either but i am right now and please give me this time and it was really worth it for me and he responded very very well and so oh that's awesome i i had watched that show actually and i'd forgotten that show and then you mentioned it and like oh i can absolutely see that because yeah you are definitely that, that, that <laughs> you are very much that character i am that character so yeah that's so cool oh damn that's awesome all right Cameron, do you want to go uh, no, I'm the straight white male. I, everyone is me. <laughs> but, okay. Look, okay. I, I, is that the model of the straight white male? <laughs> everyone is me? Yeah. Is this the opposite of I'm every woman? <laughs> <laughs> I am everyone. <laughs> okay. Well, all right. Yeah. You, like, you have, you have a better story than I do. Well, Mine's pretty Kind of like, you know, on the terms for you, it's like, I, I'm white. I've spent most of my life either being, white. being straight. Yeah. <laughs> most of it being white. Um, no, most of it either like thinking I was straight or like still acting straight or like tending to be straight. But like, it's similar for you. Like, queer representation was not great. Like, we had it, which was awesome. But you like, you know, the big examples were like Will and Grace. Mm -hmm. and, like, that's great. But there was always this like very effeminate, like preening queen image that you would see pop up in places. Queer as folk. Yeah. Very and similar. Y you would get, you know, those characters had enough time on screen that they were 
complex and subverted and there was much going on there, but like there was a, a general image that was going on and like, I'm not that way. I've definitely gotten gayer the longer I've been in West Hollywood. It does that to you. It, it really <laughs> does. It's amazing how that works. Um, you know, I'm working my way towards being the next Joel Schumacher. So. <laughs> but like for me, I hadn't seen a character that like felt like me until Love, Simon. And I've said this numerous times in the podcast, but like that character reminded me of me because that it's a character that you wouldn't necessarily assume is gay. And I don't mean that in a like a dismissive sort of way. It's just like that's he's just a person who does his own thing, has his own interests and also happens to be gay. And uh, I saw Happy Endings well after it aired, but it's similar. There's a good shout actually there, too. It's like that character, too. It's like, oh, he just happens to be gay, but he's also like this like schlubby, hairy, goofy fuck up. Exactly. Like, one of the things that I thought was uh, interesting to me about the Max character of Happy Endings is there's an episode where um, his friends come in. He's like, raise your hand if you had sex today. And everyone raises their hand and they each go down the line of, like, who they had sex with. And Max is just like, I think he said something along the lines of confused college kid. or yeah. like, like, just like, He just acknowledged it. But I was like, again, that it's so weird to see him participate in like this show offmanship that you see so often in like a group of friends where like everyone's talking about their latest conquest or whatever. Yeah. And to see Max participate and be unapologetic and it not be this like punchline of, like, as a matter of fact, he's not seen as the worst person in that run-up. Oh, yeah. Uh, his friend Penny is, <laughs> who, like, oh, says that she slept with her dermatologist or something. <laughs> so it's like, that That to me was like, oh, wow, it's just so normal and it's so um, common yeah. in, in this world that it made my existence feel more common. No, and I, and there's so much value in that, in, in normalizing underrepresented characters. Like, the more just normal that character is the more that their struggles are just about what normal people struggle with rather than being specifically about being gay or being black or any sort of like marginalized community that's important because like oh like that's what the reality is well not only is it important to like have it up there to where uh it doesn't have to be their focal point of their existence but also they don't shy away from it and i think that's the really important balance to get that it's like not only do you have this character who, uh, again, if we go back to the Hank character in Sirens, not only is he black and gay, but he's, like, vocal about... There are moments where he's like, you know I'm black and gay, right? He's like, (laughs) like, I need you to acknowledge all of me and all of who I am and whatever situation that we're dealing with. And I think that's important because as someone who grew up in the 90s, I don't see color vibe. Uh, I mean, I think of the uh, Fresh Prince, the episode where they get pulled over in season one, and Carlton's like, oh no, police are friends. Like, yeah, which like, I grew. How up, would you not do what they want to say? I grew up a Carlton. I d- I grew up as someone who had a up until I was in my mid twenties, and I actually had issues with um, the police to where it was clear that none of who I was was important. They just saw a black guy. Um, for years, I had a really good relationship with cops, and I had a really different understanding about the system. And it really wasn't until that moment that I had my own Carlton-esque awakening of, oh, it actually doesn't matter to certain people the complexity of who you are because they just see one thing. Mm-hmm. And so that is why I say acknowledging the whole of a character is really important and the wholeness of a person Um, cause going back to it, like that whole 
uh, I don't see color thing. It was well intentioned, but the the ramifications of it uh, were just as harmful. So I, I love that we're now in a place to where people are feeling free to identify themselves in whatever labels that like I, I used to tell the jokes that I know a lot of people have said this before, but um, when you were younger and you were just coming out, you were like, I don't like labels. I don't believe in labels. And now I'm just like, as a gay black man with <laughs> ADHD and depression who's on these drugs and lives at this location, uh, I would like to go to brunch, please. <laughs> as you unfurl your business card, yeah, exactly. it has all of your descriptors like, on it. All of my labels, all of the labeling, yes. because I think we've realized how important labels uh, can be, but you don't want to be limited by them, so... Yeah, so that's part of the reason that I like limited, limited. <laughs> Works. I was like, what's limited? Limited no. edition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I like that's that's one of the reasons why I liked um, Love Simon so much. It's like that that remind me a lot of like my family dynamic, and I I had a weird coincidence recently. I got to actually watch that movie with my family, which was nice. And like I, I basically tricked my family into like watching more queer content, which has been super fun. <laughs> uh, but like I and I I love that movie, but I also recognize like in its own way, that show, that movie is not fully representative because it all kind of does end up working perfectly. Like, it is a fantasy in the day. But, and that's why I just finished Love, Victor. Oh, I've never seen it. It's good. Okay. It's good. It takes a little bit of time to get going. But it's, 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 I think I'm halfway done with it. Okay, yeah. It's it's very different. And the way that, like, everything just goes right in Love, Simon, like, a lot of those same things, like, don't go right in the same way mm-hmm, on the I show. Think. And it, I think that was important, too, to, like, show a more, a, a situation where, you know, Things don't just work out. Yeah, more honest. As a gay man, we can tell you things do not get easier. (laughs) No. No. Uh, Cameron, I would be interested. uh, I know you said you're a white man and all stories are you, but (laughs) when when was the time that you felt seen on television? I, uh, this is going to make me sound a little cocky. I I saw myself in Chuck from Chuck. Oh, okay. Uh, Because he was like, before then, you had kind of the nerdy characters were always the the same kind of nerdy character. And he was he was a nerd, but that wasn't his like upfront characteristic. You know, he was he cared about his family a lot. He had a best friend and they did everything together. And even though I was definitely more of I don't remember his name anymore. I was definitely more of the best friend than Chuck. Like I that was like when I felt myself like understand like, oh, right it's okay being like this. Yeah. Like, this is nice. Yeah, no, I think that's actually really good. And uh, for me, one of the reasons why I asked that question is it's not just about, um, you know, skin tone or whatever, but it's also about, like, how soon we were able to see those things. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yours is a 2007 show, mine's 2014, yours is, like, a, what, 2017? 17, 18 movie. Yeah. And I think that that's really important to understand like that gap of how long it takes for someone in their life to see themselves represented. Um, yeah, I was, I was in high school. That was, that was like my high school to college transition. But, but that's what's, that's what I think is interesting and important is like when you get that, it transforms you, but how much time has gone by and how, how developed are you already for you to see that in high school like that's valuable, but it also gives you time to grow into the person you want to be. Whereas if you're like me again, it was kind of like reaffirming decisions I had already made to be the type of person who I was. Mm-hmm. And then for, and I'm sure it's the same yeah. for you where it's like, it, it told a story that had kind of already been lived, but what would that have done to see yourself 
in high school and how many decisions would you have made differently? Um, but I think, I think it's great, especially, um, that you were able to see it again in, in television because, um, it shows the importance of kind of breaking all stereotypes of, of characters. You know, it's like if white men don't see themselves on television, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. well, and like, you know, because, you know, for you, it was about sort of like the, the nerdiness of the character in a lot of ways. It was what so was significant. And for a long time, like nerds were the butt of the joke in the same way that, you know, like the gay characters were often too. And like, it's, just good to see a character that shows you like, oh, it's okay to be me as I am for all of my personality traits and all my quirks and, you know, idiosyncrasies. Mm -hmm. I don't know if either of you um, have watched this series, but there's a YouTube series called The Take that uh, does kind of like just explanatory uh, or even trope breakdowns of different things. And they just had one recently on the nerd character and his history. And like, it's really interesting to see like just the foundation of like when that character was brought in, how we've, how long that those stereotypes lasted mm-hmm. um, and just how recent they've, they've been broken down. And uh, I think, I think you would find it very, very interesting. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. Uh, fun. But like, yeah, it's called the take and they just, they, they've done several different tropes, but uh, the nerd character was one of their Cause, most recent Cause there's ones. another one that, that plays kind of more of a negative side of the nerd trope. And it was the, uh, the, Oh, what's the name of the, the episode? It's like the, the accidental uh, sexism of Big Bang Theory. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's oh, I've, gra- I've seen that one. That's yeah. a great video. Uh, yeah. I've seen that it one. It wasn't accidental. That, that's not the, the right it, word. It was like the, the subtle misogyny or something like yeah, that. that. Yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah, what it is. The misogyny yes, of Big Bang Theory. And I, I've watched that, that guy's um, stuff. And that's one of the things that they both acknowledge in this new nerd breakdown, but they also talk about one of the kind of... Um, sidelines or whatever i can't even think of words right now um of the nerd character is this nice guy trope and the dangers of the nice guy trope and and when you look at something like the movie revenge of the nerds Mm -hmm. or like sexual assault is a huge part of that movie Uh, and you're like uh excuse like (laughs) just because you weren't popular did not mean that you got the right to you know violate someone else and i think i think it's really uh important to again dissect all of these characters but also understand the importance of when they are shown what are they saying there was there was an event that happened this week in my in my work we we have a a client that's a a gaming company um and they did this huge live event this week that happened to be on the day that everyone was boycotting twitch but that's a whole different thing um (laughs) But yeah, my, my boss is a, an amazing woman and she had to kind of, kind of transcript everything that was going on. And she said, they didn't use the word woman once they either said girl or female. And I'm like, that's, that's like, so it's such a small thing, but it's so inherently toxic to the culture. But it's you like it's a small thing. It's not. I mean, like when we go back to that idea of. By the way, this is how I am on my Bro Meets World podcast. I'm very political, so if you <laughs> didn't know that, uh, or if you like it, come join us. But anyway, yeah. uh, the idea that half of the world's population is female and is made up of women, and that women are so crucial to the advancement of most industries. The fact that you can't get through a pitch meeting 
with them mentioning the word mm-hmm. uh, woman is is not a small yeah. thing. It's this pretty was big. A, this was an eight hour event. I should let you know. Oh, oh yeah, that's again eight hours. hours. Yeah, and you don't use the word woman once. Mm-hmm. That that's that's very telling. Yeah, we're gay and we say the word woman all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's. That, I mean, but that's 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 what I'm saying. It's it's. Um, I think right now we're having a huge wave of um, dealing with the racial tension in this culture, but misogyny is right on that the heels of that. Like yeah. that's the next thing that we're coming for. And when you see how much it uh, just infiltrates everything we do, um, I'm, I'm actually really happy with the reckoning that's that's coming about. It's it's not really a plug because it's just a person that I just learned about this week. Uh, but do either of you know who Sandy Tobak is? No, she. If you watched uh, British Bake Off, she was one of the ho- more recent hosts. Uh, but she's a, a female British comic who is one of the most like fascinating and accomplished people I've ever read about. She also runs the show called QI, which I've been loving. Uh, she is is obviously notable. She the way I describe her to people is she is the best form of Ellen that the world could possibly get. Oh, a lot of stories have been coming out recently about Ellen not being a great person. That's oh. not for us to talk about. Um, Is it not? I mean, like, I, I, I don't <laughs> want to derail you, but I will say that I haven't been a fan of Ellen in quite some time. Um, and so I'm, I'm down for that conversation whenever you're ready to have it. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll, if, if, if you live in L.A., you never hear positive stories about her, ever. <laughs> uh, so Sandy also started off as a stand-up comedian. She got her own show in the early 90s, and three years before Ellen did, she outed herself on her own show uh, as, as a lesbian and an amazing woman. She already had two kids, and so she was more worried about like how it was going to affect her family life. She was very welcomed into the, into the British comedy culture, uh, and has since then started her own political party of the Feminist Equality Party. Because in England, wow. they have more than two parties. Wow. Uh, through that, she was knighted. So she's Dame Sandy. Oh. Uh, But just kind of going back to how amazingly talented she is and just all the amazing opportunities she's had growing up, she was part of a comedy troupe in the early 70s that this is unbelievable and unfair. Uh, It was her. It was Stephen Fry. It was um, Hugh Laurie. And Emma Thompson. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. the comedy troupe. Yeah, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, that's not fair. I'm amazed we still have comedy. I think they would have gone through all of it, just yeah, the four they, of them. Yeah, they, they peaked. Yeah. Because uh, you have to think, this is, you know, sorry, this is uh, mid-70s, early 80s uh, England. So this is oh, peak wow. of uh, Flying Circus as well. Uh, it would have been a little, uh, little, little after. after I don't, uh, I don't my, know. Yeah, the Monty Python crew. Uh, but then the uh, the other just like completely random fact they added in on her Wikipedia page, which is just like, fuck you for having these opportunities. Uh, her dad, she's uh, Danish. Her dad was a big international reporter for whatever the big Danish newspaper was. And in 1969, flew her out to Texas for one of his reports. And she got to be in mission control during the fucking moon landing. What? When she was 11 years old. What? I'm like, are you that is. This is the life well lived. I'll yeah, say that. Like you Where's talk the about, biopic? <laughs> I want about now. checking every box yeah, off. Let's, let's do another version of Steve Jobs showing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like this woman is unbelievable. And she's still like just. Uh, she's. So I don't want to do the math of how old she is. She's, she's 62. I'm yeah, she's still right like 
just as active. I, I've been joking about getting into these British comedy shows. There's only like 30 of them and they all have their own show and they just kind of rotate being on each other's show. Oh, that's yeah. it. And it's, it's so cool to just see like this person who's so smart, just be like this crack, like this whip when, when it comes to all these comedy things. But it's also really telling that we don't know her name yeah. uh, as well in America. And I think that goes back to like the misogyny of the industry. There's so many things where when you learn and you really look at like the history of stuff, you're like, oh, the only real reason I can tell we don't know about you is because you're a woman. Like that's, <laughs> that's it. There's no other explanation because you're either you were in the exact same place as all of these other uh, more notable men or you are more talented and like you are the stepping stone they used to get uh, more famous and when you see these things it's it's frustrating and heartbreaking yeah also I just I want to point out that I did notice I didn't put it in my notes but this episode of Static Shock only has one female character and that is his sister mm-hmm. um, yeah. which you know again kind of we <laughs> we we mentioned the Two of the two of the the characters a lot, um, Frida and Daisy, and how they're basically the same person. They kind of morphed into being the same person. In season one, it was all about Frida was kind of this like friend slash kind of love interest. And then season two becomes the girl named Daisy becomes the friend slash kind of maybe love interest. And then season three, they they wanted to bring them both in, and so you see the two characters, but they are always connected to the hip. Yeah. Really? Uh, so yeah. yeah, it went from being like you only either saw one or the other because they're basically the exact same character, or they are inseparable now. Wow! <laughs> and so everything yes. that happens happens to both of them always. Yeah, that, that's, exactly. that's even more interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's like the the two of them together get to direct the little Romeo video, and that's why he has a guest appearance in this episode. That's so funny. It's also funny because it seems like. Like either a note, someone was like, "Why can't they ever be in a scene together?" Like, fine, we'll yeah, like, yeah. together. <laughs> yeah. They're conjoined twins now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean that, that's something that superhero shows in general suffer from. It's just like a lack of good female characters, and, and luckily that's going to get a little bit better once we get to Justice League, and then also into Justice Unlimited. But even here, there's still not that many, mm-hmm. unfortunately. So, it, wait, Cameron, would there be a good uh, example of um, like Sandy's work that I could throw in the plugs? Oh yeah, just watch QI. Just QI. Okay. QI is so good. All right, I'll throw it in there. All right, well then, on that note, should we do our bat plugs real quick? Let's do it. All right, uh, CJ, as our guest, why don't you start things off? What, what have you been watching, reading recently? What do you, would you like to plug, other than your own podcast? Which I would say, we'll my own podcast I, I have to do, which is Brummie's World, and then uh, we also have one called Movie Makeover. Uh, we are kind of taking a break from that one, but um, we will be coming back. We haven't completely forgotten about it. And then, in terms of other things, I am... Like I said, The Take is something that I always Mm -hmm. recommend just because they do a lot of really great analysis of movies themselves, but also movie tropes. Uh, That is one. And I am a huge fan of... uh, It's an Instagram account called So You Want to Talk About. And they really break down several... Like an infographic slideshow Instagram post... Uh, really complex ideas like so you want to talk about redlining so you want to talk about the Yemen crisis so you want to talk about Antifa and they basically just take all of the things it's kind of like a 
Instagram for dummies version (laughs) of whatever the issue is. And I just found it very helpful. I've used it several times and referencing other people. And I just encourage people to educate themselves and the world around them right now. So that's, that's what I want to play. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's a much more important plug than what I have to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Cameron, what's your plug? I have an, I have another anti plug. This is only the second time in our history Cameron's had an anti-plug. What's an anti-plug? So for the background for the listeners slash you, CJ, Cameron has the worst taste in I do. I have very bad taste in the entertainment that I pick. I I always say because he self-acknowledges he has terrible taste. Okay, okay. So I watch everything. Anything and everything, I'll watch it. He loves everything. Um, Although the more time he spent with me, the more cynical he's become. So Mm -hmm. That that happens in life. (laughs) That does. Um, does. But so it's worth noting if Cameron is actively telling you to not... Watch something because that means it must be fucking horrible. I will take your word for it. Yes, I I tried watching Floor is Lava, <sighs> the new game show on Netflix. Okay, not for you clearly. Not I love game shows because my second plug is a game show. <laughs> I I love them. I am such a sucker for like Ninja Warrior was obviously my first, and then Unbeatable Manzuke, and then it kind of spiraled into this chaos that I live in now. Um, the show is so bad. There's no energy to it. You can tell, like, the poor 20 minutes of acting training that every contestant got beforehand. Because the premise is exactly what it sounds like. Yeah. They have these giant overscaled rooms. We have to cross from one end to the other in kind of the fastest time with your team of three. Uh, and whoever wins per episode gets $10,000. Okay. Um, it's so gross. There's so It's so low energy. This is what I, I said to my friend who wanted to watch it. Um, all the platforms are just big enough for someone to stand on. So you don't have the space to like get momentum to make these big moves and big jumps. And so you have this announcer who's trying to be energetic of like, can this man make this three foot gap? I'm like, yeah, he's six, five. He can step (laughs) a three foot gap. And they'll like, they'll do these dramatic camera cuts to try and make you try and add drama to a guy taking a step. Uh, and it's like, I, I loved the concept of the floor. Exactly. Like what was crazy to me is the moment I saw the preview, I was like, first of all, how are we in a place to where the floor is lava is a game that we're willing to do. And second, yes, I'm interested in that. (laughs) Yeah. I I was interested too. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's a funnier version of Ninja Warrior. And that's what, what I was going to say. It sounds like they could just take a... Like, I don't understand what this whole idea or, like, holier-than-thou experience is of people not just copying something that already works. I was like, we do it all the time yeah. in other entertainment. Why not just copy exactly what it is, Then, but it's like your twist is there's lava on the floor, and you just have the exact same obstacle course, move some things around. That's all you need. And we would still watch it. Well, I mean, we, we had Wipeout, which was the American comedy version of Ninja Warrior. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, make this like a middle ground between those two. I do like the idea of it all because it's, it's kind of like you each episode is you're moving from room to room and they kind of base the obstacles on what you would see in that room. And I think that's a, that's a cool idea. Is one of the rooms a volcano lair? Yes. Okay. Because otherwise, this makes a, no sense. No, Does someone else have lava in the middle of the living room? One of the episodes <laughs> is a planetarium. And I'm like, who the f- what? A planetarium? Yeah, sorry, planetarium. And I'm like, what kind of house has like a full on solar system in it? Neil deGrasse Tyson's. The, yeah, they did base this off of Neil deGrasse's house. He's an executive producer. Yes. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's not good. I think it's like, I don't know if it's based off of a Japanese or Korean game show, but it's definitely missing like the energy of those shows. Okay. So I would recommend. I'll, I'll say it. that, especially with like Netflix original reality TV shows, there are lots of things where it's like you have the, you have the best idea, but you're missing the key element that makes whatever the foundational genre that you're working in is working. And I was like, I think you guys miss what people like about that show or like like about that particular competition genre. And because of that, you suffer because all you see is like the the surface layer of like, oh, people like obstacle courses. It's like, it's not just the obstacle mm-hmm. course. There's you, a- have to, you have to care about a contestant. And I think their biggest flaw is every episode is a, un- a completely new group of people. So you don't have, you're not following oh, one family okay. through the house. It's they made it through the basement. Okay, here's your money. Now we never see these people again. Oh, wow. Are you yeah, serious? That's yeah, that's interesting. Right. If that's yeah. the case, you... I, I, I've never seen it, but I would imagine that it's like each room, it's like, that's the point. It's like, uh, what is yeah, it? like the money's there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The money's in the attic. You have to get from the basement to the attic yeah. and that, there's your show. Every episode is a different room yeah. where you have so many people trying to get there. But I was thinking of like, uh, oh, I remember now legends of the hidden temple. Exactly. That's yeah. what I would expect from this. And you're telling me that it's just kind of like you get this room and then we just move on. It's like, well, what? That's I it. Yeah. Care about that. Oh uh, yeah. That, that's odd. Mm-hmm. Mm. Hard pass. Yes. Anti-plug. Anti-plug. Yeah. Pull out that bat plug. Uh, <laughs> but I, I watched is a weird, weird, another side plug, another game show from 1990. <laughs> they made a monopoly game show. They did. Ooh. They did. And honestly, it was so entertaining. Where did you find this? It was just on YouTube. It was recommended to me. Of course it was. Um, because it's not it's not just like straight up Monopoly. It's trivia Monopoly. Ooh. And so you have, it's Jeopardy style where every tile gets a question. Yeah. Uh, whoever gets the question right wins that tile and wins how much money it's worth. Okay. And then at the end of the first pass of the board, then you play the game. Of You, you can use oh. the money you earned by winning your property to buy houses and, and, and uh, hotels. And then if like if you land on your own property, you get asked a question and you make that much money back. So if I have a hotel on whatever the, the red space is, that's like $1,500 that I win if I get it yeah. right. That's um, fantastic. That seems well thought That's clever. Out. Yeah. yeah. And then, Can we uh, also get that version of Monopoly as a board game? That's I, I know. <laughs> I want to be like, I want trivia Monopoly. Yeah, but let's be honest. We play one round and do the trivia and like, eh, we'll skip the rest. Yeah, no, we'll, no. we'll just ask the questions now. I, <laughs> feel like, I feel like that's not true. I feel like um, Monopoly is still a game, especially I think I had uh, used it as one of my promotions for my podcast when uh, I was doing homework. We played Monopoly, like the digital version during quarantine with mm-hmm. a group of friends and we had fun and it was yeah. a like the digital version of monopoly takes out so much of like the kind of confusion or yeah. like the what you know like a huge part of monopoly is you get all these people who are like um 
upset about the rules or you're not yeah, doing everyone this comes right under their own rules yeah, yeah exactly it's, are you saying that capitalism works better if the the rules are fair and people have to stick to them yeah pretty much <laughs> obviously the rules of the game are not fair yeah. <laughs> but it's also really funny because i've had a lot of people who i've told about the digital monopoly be like well then i couldn't cheat and i don't want to play a game that i can't cheat at and i was <laughs> like ah, you understand monopoly <laughs> you won monopoly <laughs> you don't play when you can't cheat what if that's the the, the whole point of monopoly this entire time was just to get people to acknowledge they're cheaters. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so th those are my plugs. Chris, what have, what have you... Well, I assume I, other game shows. No, I, mean, I, I referenced it at the top of the episode, but I finally started watching Avatar. Oh, I'm so happy. Yeah, it's, it's fine. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> no, like, it's, it's good. It's like... You're, you're still in the midst of season one. Yes, I'm like seven episodes into season one, so I guess, what, approximately a third-ish of the way through the beginning. Um, no, it, it's good. Like the, the world building is super impressive. Um, the characters are great. Uh, the good storytelling, good visuals. Like it, you're, you're right. It, like, cause my whole thing with not watching a lot of, um, anime is that sometimes just like the, the animation and by extension, the characters and the storytelling can get a little bit too hyperbolic for me and I find it distracting. And here it's a little more reined in. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I guess at the end of the day, the way I'm phrasing is a little more uh, Americanized. Um, but it's like not distracting in any sort of way. It is a little juvenile. It's on Nickelodeon. It is on Nickelodeon. <laughs> and, and I think maybe I'm, I mean, the most kids content I've consumed in the last few years has been the DCAU. And that has always been really good about being kids content without ever getting overly juvenile. Mm -hmm. um, I think Static Shock toes that line the best in terms of being a little more kid focused while still being like, you know, a little more focused storytelling. Um, it's better than Zeta, but that's not hard to do. But it like it's it's just enough for me to notice that it's juvenile, but without being like distracted or put off by it. Yeah. But I can also see that as it progresses, the storytelling is getting more in depth. The world is expanding. Um, you know, the 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 plot threads are starting to like solidify a little bit more. So like, the more I'm watching it, the more I'm enjoying it. But it is good. I can mm -hmm. I can understand why people like it so much. Uh, why also, I never stop talking about it. <laughs> why you never stop talking about it. Also, I want an Appa. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Oppa's the best. Oppa's the best. Momo's the best. Um, you'll you'll meet in season two a character named Bosco, mm -hmm. who's a great animal. They do like awesome hybrid animals a lot. Okay. Uh, so you'll meet a tiger dillo. Uh, not to be confused with Carmen Dillo. Not not to be confused with Armadillon. Uh, there's a, a character in Static Shop named Carmen Dillo, but we always forgot his name. So we kept calling it Armadillon. Yeah. Which I is, I'm it. sorry, better. <laughs> it it's just better. Both of them are. Yeah. Uh, he's part Armadillo. That's why he's called No, it. I got that. <laughs> there was no nuance in this. Uh, and if, if I need something to entice you a little bit more, the main villain of the show who you'll meet at the end of the season, Fire Lord Ozai, mm -hmm. is voiced by Mark Hamill. Okay. I mean... That's so you have, you have to get to OSI. If it has the Mark Hamill co-sign, then it's probably yeah. really good. I mean, mm -hmm. even as it is, like, the voice casting in there is pretty good. Like, mostly it's, like, younger kids, voice, voice actors I didn't know, but um, Mako's in it, and he's amazing, because he's the, the uncle. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Jason Isaacs is one of the Fire Lords. It's like, yes! I love him. He, yeah, Jason he's Isaacs. Um, Admiral Zhao. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, no, so I, I've been watching that. I've been really enjoying it. But I think that does it for us this week. We did it. CJ, thank you so much for, for joining us. It was thank super you guys fun. For having me. It was amazing. Uh, I'll be sure to get all of the you know the stuff for Boy uh, Brummies World and um, 
movie makeover include them in the show notes absolutely Uh, again i i really did enjoy this conversation even like especially during these quarantine times it's great to like be able to have these conversations you can't tell from the audio quality we're back together for yeah, a day. we're in person for the first <laughs> time in months. So. Uh, but beyond uh, your podcast, uh, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at I am not your Oreo. So that's I A M beautiful T O R E O. Um, yeah, that is my new handle. I've been using it for the last uh, month or so, and. Uh, I'm as I said, it's full of political commentary and television. So it's two right. very big ends of the spectrum, but like that's where I'm at. <laughs> that is fantastic. Uh, Cameron, where can they find you? Uh, you can find my art at Cameron.Dexter, and you can find my face at CamDexter underscore Adventures. And you just put up another one of your Disney animations. I did. I made a Matterhorn yes. little boy. It's fantastic. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to do more art. I didn't realize... So I've been deeply obsessed with Animal Crossing since it came out in March, <laughs> and mm. I didn't realize how much creative energy it was draining from me. So I stopped playing a week and a half ago. Oh, and I can tell you, I've been exploding with just like drawings and writing and yeah. like theme park design, <laughs> and like I'm like wow, I didn't realize how exhausted I was from this game. I'm glad you have escaped. No, yes. I believe that. I think it's it's really interesting to see the number of things that we've been doing during quarantine and the ramifications. Because you're right, there's certain things where it's like, I was watching this and I was like, oh, how much time am I spending doing this? Or like, how much time am I, how much energy am I giving to this particular thing? And like, you have to learn to rein it in just because. So, so on the Switch, it'll tell you, you can see how long you've been playing a game for. Ooh, that's not good. Yeah. And the first <clears throat> five weeks, I'd clocked in 390 hours <whistles> into Animal Crossing. Wow. Hang on. I hear it's a, I hear it's a great game though. It's so. beautiful. Maybe it was, maybe it was two months. But at one point, it did say I had 390 hours clocked into the game. The first six weeks? Six to eight weeks. Six to eight weeks? Yes. Okay. Uh, hang on. I, I'm doing a little bit of... Okay. So, and then how many hours did it say it was? That's six I'm, doing, I'm doing the math. I'm doing the math now. Hold no, on. no. I'm, I'm actually doing the math. I got uh, the math just now, and it was like, if 390 hours playing, you, that, you played for 16 days. Yeah, that, that does sound about right, actually. Yeah, like 30% of your time during that eight weeks was spent Only 30? Okay, then it was six weeks. Because it was way more than 30% of my time. <laughs> I love you. Like, oh, only 30? No. We got to get those numbers up. Yeah, we got to create that. <laughs> okay, wait. Hang on, hang on. I, I, I'm just bound and determined to get the accurate numbers. Okay, if it's only six weeks, uh, then in that case, it was 36%. Yeah, those are rookie numbers. Up is up. <laughs> I won't let him take that away from you. You yeah. was accomplished. All right. Well, I'm, I'm glad you have overcome your, your video game addiction to uh, become productive once again. Yeah, it's, it's a good feeling. Nice. Uh, well, if you want to reach out to us, uh, we would also love to hear people's answers to that question of, like, where did you first see yourself um, represented on screen in television and film? And to CJ's point, like, how old were you when that happened? I think that is actually a huge part of the question, too. Um, but yeah, you can find us at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. And uh, I am at Lordifer on Twitter and Instagram. Yes, yes, so. yes. Yes, but uh, CJ, thanks again for joining us. Always a pleasure to have you here. And uh, thank you everyone for listening. And uh, we'll be back next week with more Static Shock. Yes. Beginning of season four. Uh, we're getting our Batman Beyond episode. We are getting our Batman I'm Beyond episode. very, very excited about. Uh, plus old Static. And I think we get old fat gear, too. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys. Uh, bye. Superhero static shock. Woot woot. 
Superheroes, dead exactly. Woop, woop.